Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are continuing our coverage of Emancipation into the back half of Disc 1. But before we do that, I'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. This episode is releasing on Christmas Day, so if you celebrate, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate, happy Sunday. Have a good day. That's right. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling sad or alone a little bit on this day, we hope that we can keep you company for a little while. And uh, if you're having a wonderful day, I hope you're not listening to it on Christmas. So, uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Happy holidays. That's right. Happy holidays. From all of us here, the entire (laughs) staff at the Mountains in the Sea. That's right. The entire staff, all both of us. And the dog. And the dog. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, I don't really have anything else to start us off at the top. Normally, we talk about the album and stuff, but we did all that the last time. And no preamble. That's right. We're just. We want to talk about like the World Cup or something before we get into track seven. No, thank you. Okay, track seven. (laughs) We gets up. That's right. The liner note for the song, inspired by the face one makes when Jordan dunks. Which is a lyric that we'll hear later on this album. Okay. Not in this song, though. Right. I started looking up grammar and, like, you know, when it's singular or when it's plural, like we, the verb should not have an S on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And if it's a singular, I or you, right, normally the verb gets an S. Isn't that the general rule? Yeah. It's weird. So it's backwards here. It's just a cool way of saying. The face one makes. I'm talking about the title of the track, Christy. Oh, I'm like, I was real confused, obviously. <laughs> yes, it should be We Get Up, right. but it's We Gets Up because artistic license and uh, Sounding cool. vernacular yeah. of the area. Yep. And culture. Yeah. Which is totally fine. It is. I just, I started going down a grammar rabbit hole. Oh. I quickly pulled the ripcord and parachuted out of that. Yeah. I mean, does poetry really need to follow the grammar rules? I think poetry's there to break the grammar rules. So. So what you're saying is this song is poetry. I, I think almost all songs are poetry. Correct. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. This has got to be possibly one of the shortest Prince Vault pages on a release track that I've ever come across. <laughs> there are four players, those being Prince as the love symbol, Rhonda Smith on bass, Eric Leeds, and Brian Lynch on horns. Mm-hmm. So we've got four players. There are two sentences about this track on Prince Vault. One known version that we hear right here, and it's never known to be performed live. Which seems silly for a song like this. Seems like a live version of this could be really fun. Super fun. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's all we got from Prince Paul. Well, that's all right. Let's talk about the meat of the song then. The meat seems like it starts off with kind of a synthy siren. Mm -hmm. It's the doodle doodles. (laughs) Are they noodles? Noodles. I did notice that there are tenor vocals 
on the left side and Princess singing falsetto on the right side. Oh, okay. To kind of create yeah. the chorus of princes that are singing. Right. Track, yeah, there's a lot of uh, stereo usage. Yes, not yes. in a way that would disorient or no. trouble someone like you who's bothered by those kinds of things. Uh-huh. I'm sensitive to them, yes. That's fine. You're yes. a sensitive person. But certainly an upbeat track, which you would expect. We've had a lot of R&B vibe up mm. to this point, and this song is a little bit of a shift. Yeah. It's a little less yep. R&B, a little more like pop rock some interesting vocals almost like he's channeling ozzy osbourne yeah a little bit it's very fun it is fun at nine seconds into the song there's a little horn hit that's fun and mimics the sound of a rhythm guitar which i think is kind of a creative use of instrumentation at least for an album that's been i wouldn't say it's been groundbreaking you know sound wise so far so this is kind of a neat yeah kind of a transitional moment for disc one which makes sense it's smack dab in the middle right i could have sworn that there were nba promos or something to do with the nba outside of the liner notes about a michael jordan dunk but i could find nothing about that anywhere so Mm -hmm. i must be just conflating it in my brain mm. with the liner notes of the Jordan dunk. Yeah, there was a song that he did with the NBA, or they used for Lay the down. NBA. Oh, that's what it was. That's why I'm here, because yeah. that's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> but I thought this was one of them, too. I thought it did it happen, but I just must be incorrectly remembering. That's all right. But anyway, we gets up. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets down. Make a sound, make a sound. It, it's like the force. It's a it always seeks balance because mm-hmm. we gets up, everybody else gets down. That's right. Like, but everybody getting down is like they're happy, they're right. joyful. There's you know, dancing. They get up on the stage and the rest of us get down and dirty That's right. in the audience. It's all it's part great. of that symbiotic performance relationship. The chorus kicks it off, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we get some of the when we come to your town. Prince is always singing about coming to your town. Whether he's snatching up kitties like a circus clown or the lost is found. There's this little bit of uh, guitar that re- that repeats, and it's kind of delightfully buzzy and almost springy mm-hmm. in its quality. And I just, I really appreciated these little things that he did in this song to Me really too. kind of elevate it. It's like this fun party song, and it's really easy to overlook some of the these little touches. And then even uh, like at 35 seconds, there's lots of layers of vocal and he's got a squeaky scream that is just the word up. Yes. You're right. There are a lot of great, I mean, he's the only vocalist on the track, so he handles it all. Right. Um, So obviously he knows what the other parts are doing because they're all him, just on a different timeline Mm -hmm. almost. 
Right. You know, yeah. he's either done it or he knows what he's going to do. And then here it all comes together in uh-huh. one recording, which is a cool process when you think about it. Yeah. You get to exist in multiple timelines and hear yourself. It's, he is Michael J. Fox with a DeLorean <laughs> getting up. <laughs> uh, 41 seconds. We get one of those fun horn hits. I don't know if that's Eric Leeds or Brian Lynch with the. It's just like this honky. It makes me think of uh, Beaker from The Muppets. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I hear when I hear we get up. <laughs> He's just in the in the back, like uh-huh. throwing wooden spoons He's around, causing some chaos. And he's like a mixture of the Swedish Chef and Beaker coming together to support Prince. I tried to find also who is it? Who is the woman that's yelling? Yeah, how you think we're coming? Like you want to sting. Mm-hmm. Could not find any mention of it on no. Prince Vault. Sounds like the same sample from White Mansion. Right. The same voice, uh-huh. but there is nothing huh. anywhere mentioned about where that voice came from, who it was. Oh. Zippity doodah. Okay. I don't know. We get nothing. You're talking about the layers of vocals, and he does this like. Even just a single line shows the care that he took where he says, we just bad, and there's these layered vocals, we so bad, and then we good is sung real sweetly. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah, so right. much fun. And it's really, it's done so well you almost don't notice it. A lot of things on this album, think, are easy to overlook because it does have kind of a... It's very smooth or polished. It, and it has it this like, plasticky sort of inorganic sound to it. Right. But there are details on it that are highly cared for. Uh-huh. A lot of attention paid to find details. Right. Even though some of it can sound a little... I don't want to say monotonous because I don't get tired of the album, but it does sound a lot alike. Okay. There's not an awful sure. lot of variety to that's, the sounds. That's fair. Which is weird because this is probably the, certainly it's the longest original release that he ever put together that was all meant to hang together as an album. But it also spans so many different eras of the NPG and his own work by himself and this new version of the NPG that would tour with him. But it all does sound like it was recorded together Mm -hmm. somehow. Right. You talk about care and vocal delivery. How do you feel about a minute and 11 seconds with, hey, no one can stop us. How you think you could? It's very fun. Yeah, I agree. And we're making it understood. And no one can stop us. How you think you could? Right after the ones I was talking about, the layered vocals before, mm-hmm. I love this line coming to wreck shop in your neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, it's a little bit of a reference to Under the Cherry Moon because oh. he's, uh, oh. he's uh, with the Recasto, mm-hmm. you know, it's the rec shop, the record shop. Mm-hmm. and But they're also going to come to the town and kind of give it this 
fundamental shift just with their presence. I had not made the connection to Recasto there. I always thought uh-huh. Rec Shop is like a bull in a china store. Yeah, you know, well, and that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Like their presence is going to make this change, but it's also a rec shop there. You, mm-hmm. It's the record store where you're going to go and buy the music. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you've got to because this is. You, yeah. They're getting up. That's right. You need to get down. There's another, I believe it's a female voice, right? The, yeah, NPG. No, I always New thought it was. Soul. I always thought it was Prince, just altered. Yeah! Sounds to me like whoever, whatever show, comedian. Mm-hmm. But I have, I could find again as much about that as I could about my NBA misconception. Prince has made quite a living on taking a left when others go right, <laughs> as he describes. You mm-hmm. know, we had that in uh, The Max. Yeah. The, you tell me to walk a straight line, I put on crooked shoes. Mm-hmm. Here, if y'all take a left, we gonna go right. Y'all take a left. Uh, he's feeling a little antisocial, which when most people hear antisocial, they think introverted. But what antisocial actually is from a clinical standpoint, I only know this because of my other podcast and, you know, our bestie is, uh, has a master's degree in psychology. What antisocial actually is, is messing with social norms. Okay. So well, it's, it's like the joker. Okay. The Joker's antisocial. He's going in and he knows what the social norms are and he's going to break them. And that's kind of how I see this that, you know, Prince is going to go left when the social norm says he should go right. And he goes from singing the line very low and then inside 15 seconds, he's done all the ranges. You're right. Y'all take a left. Super fun, it really is. enjoyable. I do think it's a little. He had a habit of over over promising on these things too. <laughs> like, okay, everyone else taking a level. We're going to do the unexpected. Essentially, mm-hmm. is what he's saying. I don't. I mean, antisocial or however you want to categorize it. But he's doing things like bringing rap into his music. Uh-huh. And, you know, there are some trends that seep into his antisocial right. behavior too. Yeah. So. A tad bit confounding, although on a song like this, that's really just about having fun. Right. Relatively harmless. No one was harmed in the ups we get (laughs) from this song. There's some horns and rising vocals with it. With the, oh, yeah. And there's horns with that. With the whole counting of we get up. Uh Up. It's like he's... It's calling everyone to get up. Yes, it's mm-hmm. very, very, very fun. Oh, the same note. So there's a little electric guitar at two minutes and 41 seconds. And again at two minutes and 48 seconds. It's all a taste of what we hear 
and what I'm going to categorize as the song's ending coda ends and there's an instrumental kind of electric part at the end that you hear Mm -hmm. a little preview here there's some foreshadowing of the getsing up Mm -hmm. yeah two minutes and 50 seconds where where that some of that guitar is playing there's also a really good use of stereo there with the prince vocals you literally even without like the atmos sound or whatever that's supposed Mm -hmm. to make you feel you know immersed immersed. even without that because i was listening to a rip from uh our cds that we originally bought back in the 90s and it still sounded like i was surrounded by princes I think this is one of the rare, like, I don't know if you can call it a modern Prince album anymore because it's been a while, but Mm -hmm. one of the more comfortably mixed. It's not too loud. It's not too quiet. Like, Sign of the Times you listen to on CD or streaming, and um, of course, they fix that a little bit with the Super Deluxe, Deluxe, the Mm -hmm. remaster, but and then you listen to, like, the symbol album and the gold experience. And it's like the loudness wars had creeped their way into Prince's music. And this is a nicely nothing brick walled. Everything is very, just very clear and sure. Understandable from an instrument standpoint. Yes, I agree. So there's that messy kind of breakdown Mm -hmm. ending at about Mm -hmm. three minutes and 21 seconds. Everything kind of comes to a stop and you hear bits and pieces of the song kind of collapsing like a, like a giant Jenga where you just remove the wrong brick. (laughs) And everything falls apart. (laughs) It kind of comes to this natural end, though. And then then there's more. There is more. Some, again, rare electric guitar on this album. Mm -hmm. It's there in other places, but it's not a, like, cornerstone of the album. You don't think of Prince shredding on this album, I don't think. And it almost sounds like a jam session. Like, there's hand hand claps that since 1996, November of 1996, or whenever this came out, the hand claps are so uniquely timed. Uh Uh-huh. I have been trying to, like... learn the you know yeah and i still (laughs) fail can't do it i don't know i can just see you out walking the neighborhood trying to i was (laughs) i had the dog trying to clap trying to walk and keep my steps picking up dog poop it's a lot to do Uh and i couldn't do it all and keep in time with the hand claps at the end here But There's, I don't know, this is like uh, kind of, I guess, outside of Jam of the Year, this is like the first kind of carefree moment Sure. on the album. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That's fine. There was um, there were some sp- spacey kind of sploosh sounds. Yep. Which I thought it was really interesting that you could get this kind of wet. Yeah. You don't normally moist. think of <laughs> moist. You don't normally think of space sounds as being wet or splooshy. Yeah. They're usually, but you kind of get both. It was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, there's some of that in Jam of the Year too. We uh-huh. mentioned that had a little bit of Jamiroquai funk odyssey sound to uh-huh. it, and they are. In this song, sure. Also, sure. So it's those little things that tie 
songs together. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And, you know, you don't want to be jarred out of a groove when you're listening to an album, although this is 180 minutes precisely. Yes. Next up. That's right. Next up, an aspirational and sort of song. I mean, it's an interesting because it starts out aspirational and then moves on to current white mansion. Yeah. So he's dreaming the beginning yes. of this big white mansion that he's going to own someday. And then it, by the end of the song, he has it. Uh, Mighty sister Janice makes uh, an appearance. This confused the bejesus out of me and still does. This is hard, we're harder for me to comprehend than the pattern of the hand clapping again, <laughs> but it gets up. So, yeah, I read that too. So, according to Prince Vault, the track features Maite's sister, is it Janice Garcia or Janice Garcia, as a woman finding something on television hilarious, similar to what was done by Jill Jones on the extended version of Kiss. Hmm. I don't know what that is. I don't know where it is. I've never heard that, and I still do not. So I don't. Okay. Did you read that? Like I don't. I don't hear that anywhere. Okay. In in this at all, I don't know what they're talking about. Is it a huh. a mistake? Or Maybe. Am I mistaken? Uh, I, don't I don't know. Either. I don't know. I just. I didn't have an opinion on it because I didn't have enough information and. Oh, I went looking because so. I'm like, I'm reading this. I never had read that before, that mm-hmm. Maite's sister was on this track. And then when it went into such detail about there's something with her finding something on television hilarious and compared it to the extended version of Kiss, I went listening and looking. And didn't find it? Did not find it. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, the liner notes state, in a perfect universe, dreams come true. Sell out, never again. So all of that led me, I'd never really thought about this song too much. In fact, I'll just say it. I never really liked this song. Oh. I thought that it's kind of nasally sing-songy. It, it it's is. very predictable. Sure. You know, it's... Uh-huh. Um, but then I went reading about it. Okay. And other people have changed my opinion on this song. Oh, I well, do good. I, I do enjoy I, it more now. I did not know you disliked this song. I, I don't know if I didn't like it. It was just like, whoa, there's yeah. just not much there to me. You almost feel it. Well, if the first time you listen to it, you're almost, it almost feels braggy. Yeah. Because but, you know yeah. that he ends up with Paisley Park. Right. And he has Paisley Park at this yes. time. Yeah. Yeah. And. Then I started listening to it from like almost a reflection kind of song. Like uh-huh. it starts off with Here I Am in New York, yeah. Here I am in New York, yeah. See the girl born and fair. Uh, almost like his first trip to New York to try to prove himself and land a record deal. And it's all of his visions of what he wants to mm-hmm. accomplish mixed in with meeting pretty women. Right. And, you know, questioning whether or not he's happy. I also saw this song referred to incorrectly in so many different ways by people writing about it, reviewing it online. It's the next song is Big the, White Mansion. Yeah. No, it's not. It's White Mansion. It's right. not or, Big White or Mansion. Or it's White Mansions. I saw that. Uh-oh. And I saw Big White Mansions. Also wrong. On. Take a little care. Right. It's so one that, thing to make a mistake once, but <laughs> yeah. it's another thing to write a whole article about just it. Just look at the back of the CD case. <laughs> look it up online. 
But I started paying more attention of it, really because I was trying to find where is there Maite's sister uh-huh. finding something humorous on TV. And I also wanted to find where this sample of, you know, when he says, see the girl bold and fair, which is the first thing right. he sees after arriving in New York, of course. And you hear, Yonita! See the girl bold and Later on, you hear more about it, and on some lyric sites, it shows Martin Sample, M-A-R-T-I-N. Uh-huh. But I could not find anything more oh. about where was this lifted from. Um, I thought I knew. Martin Martin Lawrence, maybe? I don't know. I'll look. Couldn't tell you. I'll look, and if I can find something, I'll put it on the social media, which you can find us on Twitter, at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, you can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast, or you can send us an email at tmatspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you whatever link that you're looking for. And if you happen to know what that uh, sample is for sure, then, uh, you know, do send it in. Let us know. Also, if you can identify what Maite's sister does anywhere on this track, <laughs> I really want to hear. I mean, it is, there's a lot of big white mansions here to uh-huh. get in the way. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, I finally get the latest fashion reference. Oh, there's one here. (laughs) You're right. It's in the chorus. That's right. I had not spent much time with Graffiti Bridge or any time with Graffiti Bridge when this album came out. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, hardly. Sure, sure. So it didn't really... I, I mean, it's a harmless little reference right. it's not like it yeah, impeded yeah. your enjoyment of no. the song no and it means surely it was it's more of an easter egg yeah yes yeah. like you know the prince universe than this right holds some meaning for you right we mentioned the kind of production value of this whole album um and the kind of organic pieces of instrumentation that you do have to look out for there's one in this song at 52 seconds um, when he's talking to the woman that he meets in New York and she says, that's okay, you got to run. Bow, bow, bow. Oh. There's a nice, really cool bass hit there. I mean, it, it, that little riff is mm-hmm. just excellent. Yep. That's okay, you got to run. <laughs> Check it. I don't need you to there are little bassy parts throughout this song that are really ear grabbers. Mm-hmm. In a good way. Not like grandma used to do when you misbehaved. <laughs> it's very uh, funny that he's talking to this girl and he's hoping she's got something in her backpack to entertain him. Yeah. And um, he gets a little pissy when she doesn't. And he tells her she's cold. Coming from the land of snow, I guess I'm kind of used to cold. Yeah, the cold shoulder, like, he can handle it. Coming from the land of snow. Just because she didn't have snacks in her backpack or whatever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, like you said, as a retrospective sort of, he's looking back at his maybe past behavior a little bit. And, could be. Yeah. Could be. And this whole thing about I could use a new guitar made me think of, you know, that's kind of a young prince thing. Yeah. He's an aspiring artist right. early here. 
a new guitar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because yes, he got new guitars as he continued his career, but mm-hmm. it wasn't out of need. It was because he wanted more cool colors or, you know, right. m- more bullets in the arsenal, essentially. But when he says how he could use a new guitar at a minute and 37 seconds, and there's kind of this sing-along guitar, bow, bow, uh-huh. almost country kind of little hit there. Yeah, it's Very really fun. I also, as he says, sing a tune at Chaz's Bar or uh-huh. Jazz's Bar? It's Chaz's Bar, yeah. and I think it's a reference to his cousin Charles. Yeah. Sing a tune at Chaz's Bar. Who goes by Chaz, who was in Grand Central yeah. with Prince. Agreed. Yeah. And I also went hunting, like, is there a Chaz's Bar? In New York, you know, there's like an Italian restaurant that's well-known that's been around there. So maybe that was just a little thing he did to do a little family name drop. Yeah, I think I think so. I couldn't find that there was, uh, that his cousin Chaz owned a bar anywhere. Yeah, neither. New York, Minneapolis, Minnesota, anywhere. Yeah. So, so maybe retrospective mixed in with a little fiction here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never heard the little aside at a minute and 53 seconds when he says, he sings, maybe meet a debutante, be a toy, do what she want. And in the uh-huh. background, you can hear him say, tell me what you want to do. Maybe meet a debutante, be a toy, do what she wants. Meaningless line that starts to become like, oh, I'd never heard that before after... I don't know how many listen counts I've got on the song, yeah. but there's a few. Yeah. Uh huh. Do you know who John Kay is? Do not. Okay. When looking, like, yeah, could it have been anything. when he was, you know, younger? John mm-hmm. F. Kennedy. Like the Kennedys are in New York. Maybe. I don't know. There's but just not enough o- there to there's really. There's not enough there, and it also seems to be more about a musician too. Nine o'clock. See John Kay. Right. But you don't rock. Come another day. Nine o'clock. See John Kay. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't know, is this slam? Did he on, get he, yeah. dismissed somewhere? Or what, uh, did he, he is, go to see John Kay play in a venue and found him boring? I thought it was more that he he was told, you don't rock, come another day, because he says, spirit so low, reaching up for ground. Like, he's oh. sad. Oh, okay. Spirit so low, reaching up for ground. One day I'm going to make it in this lonely town. So mm-hmm. that's what made me think this was like a hurdle he had to overcome. Okay. Real or imaginary. I don't know. Uh, how about the more little asides? Two minutes and 43 seconds when he sings, hey there, what's your name? And he whispers, what's your name, cutie? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cute. Hey there, what's your name? Now, if you were not paying attention to pop culture mm. in the early to mid-90s, you will not get this reference. Okay. I don't know if I did or didn't, but I'll let you know. I don't know Bo, but I do know Matt. I don't know Bo, but I do know Matt. Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson, yes, yes because yeah. there was the whole Nike... Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I know Bo. Yes, Bo, no, Bonos. Bonos, that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. Bonos, because yeah. Bo played, Bo Jackson played professional football and professional baseball. Yep. So he was very uh, well-known, and Bonos was the Nike advertising yeah. campaign. So I thought that was a fun, a very topical reference. Yep, yep. When he says, back to Minneapolis, there you go. You can't find your house underneath the snow. Uh-huh. There is an airplane sound effect there uh-huh. that I believe is the same airplane sound effect that you can hear in Super Cute. Okay. Back to Minneapolis, there you go. You can't find your At the beginning of Super Cute. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's the challenge of having a white mansion in Minneapolis. Kind of wanted to blend in. He just wanted to live his life. Yeah, sure. You can't find your house underneath the snow. The chorus kind of progressed through this, too, because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the first time we hear it after the first verse, verse, it's, but one day I'll have a big white mansion. Right. But one day I'll have a big white and then later on then I'll live in a big white mansion and after this cause you're living in a big white mansion that's right progression dreams have come true to a degree Mm -hmm. because he questions it which i never really heard him say at the end yeah uh he says but am i really happy and he sings it in this falsetto voice so it's like i've made this journey and now i'm Still not certain if it's really what well, is going to fulfill me. Yes. I mean, when he was young, he really, you see the progression that he's, he believes that these things are going to make him happy. That, you know, these fancy clothes, this lovely, beautiful, large home, these things are going to be important to him. And that's what's going to be indicative of his success and that those things are actually going to bring him joy. And here at the end of the song, he's really, he's trying to be happy. Don't you know? He's trying. And am I happy though? Yeah. Like he's still not sure. Like I have these things and I thought they were going to make me happy, but I still don't know if I really am happy. Yep. I thought that was uh mature. Yes. Surprisingly mature. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is sort of a, I've come of age album, you know, about commitment, mm-hmm. marriage, having a family, all right. these independence things. Independence in but his independent, career. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. He's seeking this, independence in his career while also seeking interdependence in his life. It's Correct. kind of an interesting sort of mm-hmm. dichotomy of themes to be exploring. Very much a 30s 
late thirties kind of thing. Sure. I don't want to say midlife crisis because there was, this is a happy album. Right. And then there's more of this. Hey, Nita, mm-hmm. check out that ass. <laughs> That's all from a stand-up routine somewhere, yeah. whether it's Martin Lawrence or wherever. I don't know, but I, I was surprised to not find it mentioned yeah, in um, Prince Vault where right. that came from. Tell me, where is there some girl finding something amusing on a television in this song? I don't know. I don't know what that I refers to. I don't know. Maybe to. there is laughter at the the comedy skit that they're sampling here, and maybe it's just a little buried. Could be. Mm. This is similar to We Gets Up in the ending, which sort of becomes a theme here. We Gets Up kind of comes to an ending. And picks up some more. Mm-hmm. A little uh, bit of stretching. Yes, this We're song does that out. and comes to an end. And then we get this kind of very short and nothing particularly special about this extended instrumentation at the end, which sort of leads me to believe like he doesn't know Bo, but he does know math and knows what he's got to do to get <laughs> to 60 minutes and zero seconds. That's right. And this just happens to be part of it. That's right. Exactly. Then we have Damned If I Do. The liner notes are simply Damned If I Don't. So he can't make someone happy, essentially, in Uh his mind from Prince's point of view. Right. Which we know often is very singular. Right. There's not a lot of uh, looking outside the Prince universe when it comes to him evaluating situations. Sure. I did not realize that this was one of the final sessions to feature Michael Bland, Tommy Bavarella as regular members of the NPG. Mm-hmm. But after I started listening to it, I thought it weirdly sounds like it fits in on this album, yes, but also sort of sounds like a love symbol album extra. Okay. okay. To a degree. Sure. Even though it was recorded you know, February 1996, so a full, whatever, 10 months before this album came up. Mm-hmm. Came out. Good on Prince. Waiting for permission to be with somebody, even if he's a little impatient. I'm mad in love, but you won't give me permission. That's true. I'm mad in love, but you won't give me permission. I was like, oh, good job. You haven't used the word squiggy at all well, so far on this there album. Hasn't, hasn't been I'm just saying. squeaky stuff. Late 30s. I mean, Look out. Well, and Prince is what figuring the, it uh, out. The object of his affection is also an adult now. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes. Well, he made a point of waiting until she was of age. I'm aware. So good for him, too. <laughs> Not sure if I believe that, but okay, mm. that's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's the, uh, the whole crux of it. You said be here at nine, <laughs> then screamed at me for not giving you more time. Uh-huh. You said. Her. Right, and feeling like he's no matter what I do, he's going to fail no matter what. Yes, right. yes. But uh, you know, so that might be inappropriate behavior from a partner. Oh, right, the being to, angry at someone for, for doing, doing exactly what you, what you asked them to. Yes, yeah. maybe we should say goodbye. Maybe, maybe we should say goodbye. Is. A kind of a mature way to talk about it as well. It's not a, I'm done with you. 
That's true. It's a, let's talk about this and decide whether it's time for us to say goodbye or not. Because if it's not time for us to say goodbye, maybe you need to uh, adjust your expectations. Maybe be there at 830 and have a conversation. That's right. (laughs) I never knew at a minute and 33 seconds that he sings, I smell vermouth every time I don't get to kiss you. So Uh I smell Being without her makes him want to drink. Oh. That's how I saw it. Oh, I saw it as she wouldn't let him kiss her. Oh, because because she had been been drinking. She'd been drinking. And I'm like. You're right. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And I'm like, who drinks straight vermouth? Maybe they should break up. (laughs) That's that's a cheap date. I mean, (laughs) that's usually like a dash of something, right? It's usually like an. Yes, it's part of a mix. It's a splash in your martini or yeah, whatever. But he smells vermouth. Who's drinking straight vermouth? Yeah, like don't. I'm like kiss that me. sounds like somebody drinking. with a problem. Hmm. So I'm like maybe they should break up. Maybe they should say goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a lot of that start stop with drums and guitars that you hear in Prince's music during this time period, like at a minute and fifty two seconds. Do 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 do. This kind of thing. Uh, the bridge to me uh-huh. at two minutes and 20 seconds, we just covered not long ago, Chaos and Disorder. Right. Um, and I thought this is maybe the one part of this album that sounds a little like Chaos and Disorder. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense with the band members who are there. Obviously, it's a different mix. There's more horns here where he sings, Damned If I Don't Try to Make You See Yourself the Way I Do. Sweet. Uh-huh. Open-minded, worldly, always ready for taboo. Kind of sounded like I like it there to me. It was like oh, a I like sure. it there moment. Sure. He says that he'll <laughs> fill her cup. But he won't do it like Kevin. I won't do it like Kevin. (laughs) I won't do it like Kevin. And that is a reference to the opening scene of Waterworld, where Mm -hmm. Kevin Costner pees into a cup and then filters it and then drinks it. Yep. That movie had all kinds of wild it took a long time to make it took two years to make which was really unusual at that time period it was also had a very high budget like 200 million dollars which also at that time was unusually high now we have a lot of movies that take that long or longer and cost that much or more now that's sort of a regular sort of thing but in the mid 90s that was basically disastrous because they had no really hope of making back there. I remember when that movie came out and it was sort of almost doomed from all of the talk about it and uh-huh. the you know trouble and how hard it was to make and, and it, how long it took uh-huh. and over budget and it so it better be was, good. And then yeah. it was just kind of meh. It yeah. was, uh, I think Roger Ebert, I'll post the, the link to his review but it was one of those like it's a movie that you're 
glad you saw, but also you wouldn't really recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I don't remember when or how we saw it. If it was I a think rental, we it. but I mean that was the one and only time that I saw it. I remember it being a little long too. Yeah. Speaking of long, this song doesn't end at three <laughs> minutes and thirty seconds. It kind of slows down and takes a little bit of a Spanish salsa like vibe. Maybe we should say. which almost serves as the ending coda and tag on this song, which right. uh, it happened with the previous two tracks here as well. Uh, Maite and another unidentified man are speaking in I Spanish. Think it's a woman. Oh, are they both women? I think they're both women. They're speaking in Spanish. Okay. Um, and this is the only place where Maite appears on the entire album. Okay. And one woman's telling the other to eat breath mints because she has bad breath. That's right. And someone's offended. So I took, I did the hard work of copying the Spanish <laughs> lyrics from whatever yeah. song lyric site, and I just pasted it right into Google Translation because I'd never done that before, just to Me see what too. it is. <laughs> uh, I I wanted to like run it back and forth. After I got the English version, I wanted to translate it back to Spanish and then do it a couple oh. more times, see where I got. <laughs> But just for the one translation, the direct Google translate of this conversation is, you're always talking about what we have to do. Well, you know, but what you have to do, that, it's looking for a mint for your mouth because you stink. What are you saying? (laughs) Please eat them all. My mouth doesn't stink. (laughs) So what that has to do with damned if I do, I expected it to be like, Hey, I told you to be here at nine. I was here at nine. Uh-huh. And why are you so angry? Because you didn't listen to the intent of what I was saying about uh-huh. being here at nine. That's not when you, I say had here you at been nine. Listening. I want you here at nine fifteen, but then I will yell at you for being late. That's right. Yes. Guitar solo at three minutes and forty nine seconds, mm-hmm. and some horns throughout the ending. So yeah, the third song in a row here that kind of gets an extended outro. Uh huh. Take that for what it's worth. Knowing. That every album, every disc was 60 minutes exactly yes. in length. Then we have I Can't Make You Love Me, a cover of Bonnie Raitt's 1991 hit. The second cover. Was it the second this- cover at the time? I did look up and see there were many covers of it, but I didn't see. Well, no, this was the second cover on this album oh, that this, Prince I'm had sorry. done. Because yes. he did. Correct. Uh, you know, uh, Bet you by golly, wow. Right. It was a cover. Right. So on this so, first track of 60 Minutes, two covers. Yeah, on the first album. What did I say? First track. It's a 60 minute track broken up into 12 seconds. <laughs> And extended musical outros. That's for each right. One. I thought you were saying that it's the second time the song had been covered. Oh no, it had been covered many times. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was. It's the second cover version appearing on this album. Right. So when yes. he committed to doing covers, he committed. Yes. So there was a reason, though, right, that he covered this. He had recorded music with Bonnie Raitt. Sure. Early on, after the opening of Paisley Park, and they. Stayed in touch. The music was never released, but they stayed friends. Mm-hmm. And I think she even credited him a bit for saving her from alcoholism. Right. right. And whatever ghost she saw that caused that gray streak, streak <laughs> in her hair. Um, other artists who have covered this song, I did not know, but Adele on yeah. her 
2011 iTunes Festival album covered it live. Fun. Tank, an artist in 2010, covered it on Now or Never. George Michael has a cover version of, studio version of it. That's a great listen. Here on this cover version, we have Prince doing everything except for Rhonda Smith on bass and Eric Leeds on saxophone and Todd Burrell, who I think starred in Modern Family, (laughs) uh, on additional keyboards. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Silly. It was included on a promo single of Face Down. Right. um, But with the title, with the word I instead of the I symbol and to the word U instead of the letter U. Right. So it totally fits with the inconsistency of Prince. A little quality control That's there. Right. right. Or at least uh, a branding issue. We sure. call it that. Sure. And then uh, the liner notes all run together. One word. Again, Prince doing hashtags before hashtags were oh, a thing. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie's American Treasure. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. That's very sweet. I read also that Bonnie Raitt uh-huh. praised his version, calling right. it, quote, very beautiful. Uh-huh. But the producer of Bonnie Raitt's version, Don Was, okay. W-A-S, uh, heard Prince's version and was very disappointed, particularly what? with the sexualization of the song at oh. the end with... okay. I believe even the hold me close between your thighs. Right. At the end. Just hold me close between your thighs. Don was said that Prince had no idea what the song is about. Oh. There you go. I think he knew what it was about. I think he just wanted to make it about something else. That's what I thought. I'm like, well, he wasn't there for the writing and recording of your version, and you're not. I mean, your name is Don Was. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not Don Is. Yeah, Bonnie's uh, version, despite her being a you know a country music artist, is very, very early 90s, easy listening, adult yes. contemporary version. Do you know who provided piano accompaniment for Bonnie Raitt's version? No. The one and only Bruce Hornsby. Oh. So if you very cool. can't have love, can't make someone love you, and you want some mandolin rain. Mm-hmm. This is the song for you. I just thought that was kind of funny that uh, yeah, but, Don was basically dismissed Prince's version well, because he's wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. So very, very back to like the soulful emotion that we got earlier on on this disc from right back here in my arms and somebody, somebody. Right. This is right down that flavor field. Exactly. Very more R&B with the vocalizing and the finger snaps. And it's got definitely a different sound. Yeah. Than the original version. Yes, for sure. Even though, I mean, the those opening notes are very recognizable. And he does things to really kind of make it his own. He brings a lot of variety to repeated lyrics, particularly there's an interlude at like a minute and 49 because I can't make you love me if you don't with a lot of range and he really does make it his own song, even in the lyrics that are directly from the original version. Yeah. 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 
to Bonnie Raitt's version, uh-huh. um, which was on, oh, what album was it of hers? Was it Luck of the Draw or Nick of Time? I don't know. Luck of the Draw okay. was the album that it was on. Never heard Prince say the word me or sing the word me when he sings Just Hold Me Close, Don't Patronize, uh-huh. Don't Patronize, and there's a little tag of me. On the end, which Bonnie Raitt also sang, but I always thought it was don't patronize, don't patronize because of the word lies that it's rhyming with. But Uh there is don't patronize me, this little Uh two-letter word there Uh I had not heard before. When Prince sings about that he will give up this fight at 2 minutes and 45 seconds in the right Right. channel, there's a really smooth, muted guitar that sort of plays under him and supports this surrender. Mm -hmm. Just give me. That I found kind of touching. Right. Yeah. Morning will come and I'll do what's right. Just give me till then to give up this fight. Yeah. And there's saxophones there that Mm -hmm. like matches vocals too, which is it's a nice Prince and I mean it sounds like Eric leads to me. Yeah, do that. How many times have they played off one another? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then then we get into the spoken part that obviously old Don didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Not only do I want to be the first, I want to be the last. Is that so bad? Not only do I want to be the first, I want to be the last. He's, you see him singing this to Maite, really, right? Like he's feeling insecure or something. And this is how he's changing it and making it his own. Mm -hmm. He is wanting her to stay. He is trying to convince her one more night. And I can convince you that this is really where you want to be, that I can make you love me. Even though I've just said I can't make you love me if you don't, yes. but I can convince you that you should stick around and try. Yeah. Yeah. I also found the more I listened to it, that spoken word part at four minutes and 17 seconds, the more I could hear Morris Day saying this. Yeah. Tell me what's up, baby. Uh-huh. Am I moving too fast? Yeah. Not only do I want to be the first, I want to be your last. Uh huh. Is that so bad? <laughs> I have a brass water bed. <laughs> It's romantic, but it's also a little uh, pressuring and territorial. Yeah. No means no, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a reprise at the end that is a real Prince and Eric Leeds duet. He sings the first verse again, turn down the lights, turn down the bed, turn down these voices inside my head. And there's a, 
a lot of Eric and Prince going back and forth there. Mm-hmm. And what I believe at six minutes and 13 seconds is what I wrote down as some female vocal laughing, scratching, mm-hmm. similar to what was done with Kim Basinger's voice okay. in Bat Dance. There's a little bit of this <laughs> okay. kind of thing that going on that's very Bat Dancian. Oh, interesting. And I never really considered what was happening at the end of the song. To its credit, it does come to an end. We don't get like this extended, I can't make you love me Uh instrumentation at the end, but it's Prince blowing out a candle at the end Uh, of the song. Oh, okay. Yeah, the... uh Romantic night has come to an end. Mm-hmm. And we got to make sure that the cat doesn't knock over a candle and burn burn the big white mansion down. Yeah, so. I can't make you love me with this fire hazard. <laughs> but hey, turn off that weak jam, man. man. That's right. Because Mr. Happy's here. Four minutes and 47 seconds in length. Track mm-hmm. 11. Mm-hmm. Liner notes. Eusta. U-S-T-A. Okay. Used to play this in Paris after somebody swang weak. 80 proof bomb from the Land of Lakes. These are like self-made mysteries just I mean, to make you wonder. Right. This is like exactly. the early version of someone posting these vague things on Facebook <laughs> and you know begging to be checked on. Yes. Are you okay? What, what really happened? Uh-huh. I didn't realize that it was recorded and registered for copyright along with style on the same day, March 3rd, 1996. Kind of fun. Yeah. Has a, according to Prince Vault, which I believe in this case is correct, a repeated sample of Bought a House Next to Prince. Okay, I couldn't find that in this. Oh. So I heard it a lot in the Big City remix of The Good Life. Yeah. And I, every place, I looked at several lyric sites mm-hmm. to see exactly where it was to try and hear it, and I could could not find it. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll go through the track here, see if yeah. we can uncover it. That bought a house next to Prince, mm-hmm. when I first read that, and it was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was like, where else have I heard that before? Primarily in the Grand Central Station 2000, GCS 2000 track, Love for One Another, Okay. Bought a house next to Prince. It's all over the place in that song. And that song uses the same drums and bass line from Billy Jack Bitch. Uh huh. Right. And you can hear Bought a house next to Prince at five minutes and nine seconds in Love for One Another on GCS 2000. Okay. So that was uh, Ice Cube's What Can I Do? Correct. Is where that sample comes from. And I remember that being very clearly in The Good Life's Big City remix. Yes. But, yeah, I didn't find it here. And I tried really hard to listen for it. I think I'm with you. I was reviewing my notes here. Like, Did I make a note of where that is? Or did I just read over that? In any case, Prince has a very nasally fun intro to this mm-hmm. song. Turn off that weak jam, man. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Happy's here. <laughs> and we're bugging. Which is a cool 
way to come out of this soulful, weirdly sexually slash touching or sexually touching. <laughs> I can't make you love me. Uh-huh. Turn off that weak jam, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, positioned after that, it's almost like, it's like enough of this. We're mm-hmm. going to have some fun. Right. Because we're bugging. For sure. He says, I got some money. I got some juice. Now, it's been a while since I had to turn to Urban Dictionary to help me make sure that I understood something appropriately. Oh, okay. Um, Let's hear it. I know it entertains people quite a lot when I have to do this, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing some kind of uh, alternate. I I kind of understood what juice meant, but I'm like, I need to know what exactly it means. It's not bragging about apple cider. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's street cred. Juice. Juice is street cred. All right. So that makes sense. He got money. Now he's got respect. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. And that's why he's here doing this rapish song. Right. This is the moment where something just hit me square in the face. You mentioned Bought a House Next to Prince. Uh Uh-huh. The Big City remix of A Good Life. Of The Good Life, not A Good Life. There's a sound effect in Mr. Happy at 28 seconds. It's like this... Okay. And that's where it hit me. The drums and the music of this song are mostly lifted straight from the Big City remix of The Good Life. The drum sound. I Uh mean, you can, once you go back and listen to it, okay, for The Good Life, the sound effect is right right after he says, test it goes one, two. Right. At 22 seconds. That's the same sound you can hear at 28 seconds in Mr. Happy. Okay. Testicles one two. Uh, the same microphone check and bought a house next to Prince. Um, and you can hear that same sound effect in the Good Life Big City mix at two minutes and thirty eight seconds, two minutes and forty four seconds. Two minutes and 48 seconds. It is so clear. Uh-huh. And I never really thought of this song as like an NPG song kind of spinoff. Like right. This sounds like it spawned from the big city mix, the way Push It Up spawned off of uh, Jam of the Year. Yeah, right. Super fun. So the last song, he wanted uh, a virgin, and now he wants somebody grown. <laughs> That's right. I need somebody. Hey, that's well, quite a hey, you go left, he gonna go right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also about, I will take care of you. It's right. about, uh, I mean, that's the chorus, right? Right. I will take care of you, Mr. Happy, every day and night. I don't know that that means, like, I'm going to make sure you're well cared for and protective or I'm going to take care of your needs. sexual fantasies right. and needs um, and be your Mr. Happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, after the line, sugar baby with the curly hair at a minute and 36 minute and 13 seconds, uh-huh. you can hear that same sound effect from the big city remix of the good life. Sugar baby. 
very fun. Yeah. And then um, he does some fun word blending right after that. Mm-hmm. Instead of with your, it becomes witcha. Yeah. Put your name on it. Put your name on it. Looking fine. Looking fine. Yeah. yeah. Right after that, I will take care of you, whatever you want. It's like in the chorus there at a minute and 32 seconds. There's uh-huh. a falsetto. Ba, ba, ba. This, yeah, this weird, like, just accent that's behind uh-huh. the chorus line there. That's pretty fun. We get Prince with a little rap. That's right. Which I normally welcome. Sure. And I mean, it's just just silly fun, right? Yeah. He tells us how to do the wild sign. Third finger down. Yes. Set up to the roof. Third finger down if you're wild, make a sound. Look at my people getting on down. Maybe some unnecessarily goofy things like... <laughs> Guaranteed to get your girl loose if she douche. Yeah. yeah. A little cringy. Yeah. Third finger down. Yes, that's how you make the the wild sign. Right. So at the towards the end of that, skip the Remy and let me have some Mary Tyler Moore of that new power soul. We know Prince liked older television shows, mm-hmm. older movies. That explained Mary Tyler Moore. Remy, I don't know. No, I don't either. Couldn't tell you. Maybe uh, maybe it was a character on the show. Maybe. maybe. But, I mean, he just used that to, like, say, give me some more of that new power soul. He right. made it kind of fun with the, it's almost like the Wheel of Fortune before and after category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a nice falsetto at the end of that rap, too, coming from the Midwest, passing every test with a fuzz tone remote control at 2 minutes and 11 seconds. Mm-hmm. He sings it, doesn't just rap it. Yeah. Uh, there's a rap by Scrap D. Hello again from yeah. I Rock, Therefore I Am. That's right. Just a local Minneapolis dude. That's right. Trying to, trying to Make get it. in good. That's yeah. Right. He says, do I love you? I can't love you because I hate you. Uh-huh. And some people say it's a reference of, from the gold experience. Yeah. But I kind of, or I, I wish they'd left out can't in that. He says, do I love you? I can't love you because I hate you. Yeah. So I kind of wish they'd left out can't. I love you because I hate you. And then it would have really been for sure a reference to that gold experience track. Okay. But I'm not convinced that that's necessarily as connected as people want to make it. Fair enough. A little uh, time capsule moment here. Keep the drapes, uh, keep the drapes open. VCR, the whole <laughs> bit. I know it sounds sick, but baby, let's make a flick. There's a little paper crumbling sound effect at three minutes and 19 seconds, too, behind Mr. D, Mr. Scrap D. And then, you know, it fades out. 
And then, oh, wait, there's a little bit of guitar padding here at the end. There to, is, to, which I think is actually the beginning of In This Bed I Scream, starting okay. at like four minutes and 13 seconds. Right. Um, especially when you read the Prince Vault entry on In This Bed I Stream, Scream, that there's this guitar part that spawned from Prince putting the guitar on the ground and letting it make sounds. Okay. And you don't hear that in the song. You hear it before the song, oh. which is tracked at the end of Mr. Happy. Huh. Really, to me, it should be at the beginning of In This Bed okay. I Scream, so I don't know why. However, there's a bought a house next to Prince sample at the end of Mr. Happy. Oh, as it's, okay. As it's beginning to fade, three minutes and 50 seconds, there's your okay. small little bought a house next to Prince sample that you were desperately trying to find. Okay. Yeah, there's like back mask sounds. There's a door opening and closing. This guitar making weird sounds at the end that I believe belong more with the beginning of In This Bed I Scream than at the end of Mr. Happy. Okay, that's fair. So, speaking of in this bed ice cream mm-hmm. uh, fans got reminders from bed ice cream at aol.com in the weeks leading up to the release to promote the album I don't know how you got on that mailing list because I don't yeah, know if there was I don't either I, don't, I mean I consider myself a Prince fanatic never knew about that no. how do I subscribe right liner notes in very small and backwards type to Wendy and Lisa and Susanna. So it's Prince's makeup song, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Not as in like makeup, or like the stuff you put on your face. Right? Yeah, it's a apology, apology, a little bit. So supposedly he sent this to those ladies, and they gave him some feedback, and he ignored all of, of it. Of course he did. <laughs> Of course he did. I mean, the one thing I will say about this song is it does not song like, sound like the kind of song that he would have produced with Wendy and Lisa no. around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, there's nothing more Prince-like, I think, than an apology. Hey, take a look at this. They spend <laughs> the time to do it, and he ignores... Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Yep. Uh, synths and drums and some record scratches and Prince singing falsetto. Yeah, and some hi-hats that are mm-hmm. really fun. Yes. Yep, yep. Not the only Purple Rain reference we have on this album, but probably the first at 59 seconds. Maybe we can stop the rain from coming down. Which I think feels a little forced. That sounds a like little. the kind of thing Prince would write without Wendy and Lisa around. Sure. Maybe sure, their sure. suggestion was, hey, why don't we be so less self-referential uh-huh. on an album that you're born to make, referring to the album that, you know, really put you on the map. Right. Who knows? Yeah. Um, he is vulnerable, though. He needs to talk about the sadness of this lover or partner leaving. And so he talks to the walls. And it's both sweet and a little sad that he like he doesn't really have anybody else to talk to. 
I think that was part of this. I think he probably talked more with Wendy and Lisa about music in general sure. than any other members of his band. And they opened as much as he was uh, controlling and definitely the band leader and had a vision. I think he did a lot more collaboration mm-hmm. with them than he maybe did with anybody for a long, long time. Yep. And made them kind of a featured part of the band too. Sure. Like Wendy and Lisa became a thing. Right. Because of that. Right. There's some grumbling guitar under the second chorus, I guess, minute mm-hmm. and 41 seconds leading off with tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's chef's kiss. It's uh-huh. so good. Yeah. Yep. does sort of take a little responsibility. Okay. So he says, if I'm cursed with a dream, a thousand times I feel whatever I've put you through. So he, he realizes he's done something perhaps inappropriate. But he's not willing to say what that inappropriate thing is. And oh, poor me, when I dream it, I feel it so much worse than what you actually had. Yeah, that is uh, kind of the crappiest apology you could ever write. It really is. The intent, I think, is good, but there's this underhandedness to it that... There's no, I, I'm sorry that I did that to you, but there's no way that you feel worse than I do. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. In fact, however bad it was for you, when I feel guilty about it, I feel so much worse than you ever could have. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Not the way to apologize, especially <laughs> no. probably not to two women. <laughs> Three women. Three women. I always think Wendy and Lisa, but yes, yeah, Susanna's part of this too. Yes. Oh, and then I'm like, okay, well, maybe there it is. Maybe maybe I understand where, why he's having some problems here. How are we going to think with the same mind? How are we going to put this back together? How are we going to think with the same mind? And I'm like, oh, he thinks they can only be happy if they think as one. But really, that's A, impossible and B, even if it were possible, it'd be boring and he wouldn't like it. He True. thinks he wants somebody to agree with him all the time. Yeah. But he doesn't really because that's no fun. Yeah. I can see that. I also, you know, obviously Prince trusted the, again, talking mainly about Wendy and Lisa. Susanna was a different kind of relationship, but giving Wendy and Lisa the ability to go off and work on his music. Mm-hmm. And add to it and feeling like they were an extension of his creative sure. mindset, you know, thinking with the same mind. But I can see yeah. how, how you interpret it that way, too. Yeah. I mean, he wants these. They have shared goals and beliefs, which is really what he wanted. But he's also kind of trying to make those a little too congruent. Yes. Like to it's the all point just... where dandelions and roses and right ice cream scoops right but really you don't get anything new or exciting or fun from that sameness Mm -hmm. agree yeah and i mean sadly i think while i don't mind the song and there are good moments to it the lack of of partners like 
those three women mm-hmm. is very evident in a song like this too. Like, Super had fair. there been a better partner with you, uh-huh. either musically or personally, whatever it might be, this would probably be better. Yeah. Well, because somebody with a strength of character or um, freedom in the relationship might have told him, look, that's a weak sauce apology. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's it's very selfish. Do better. And true, you know, he, there's that, but it's also mixed with you know these questions. How did we ever lose communication? How did we ever lose each other's sound? Mm-hmm. So there was there's an acknowledgement of this partnership there that we were good with one another, right? But yeah, he was the re- like it wasn't them that decided. I don't want to have our you know, be hitched to this guy's wagon anymore. It was him saying, Oh, you want to be paid more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. too bad. So sad. Yeah, See there's ya. probably a good amount of Prince Utopia thinking here on <laughs> That's his part. Fair. Some, now what is it? It's been 10 years since mm-hmm. all of this happened to. Yeah. Uh, he's, he says, In this bed I scream and doesn't scream. That's true. I was like, Good point. you're so no literal. <laughs> you're so literal about so many things, like literally rain sound effects after Stop the Rain from yeah. Coming Down. Yeah. But no screaming. But no screaming. There's car screech sound effects when he talks about a car. Yeah. But there wasn't a scream, not until like three minutes and 40 seconds into the song. Into the song. That's a good point. And isn't in the liner notes in the booklet, I believe that there's the illustration of a bed that I think looks like the endorphin machine bed. Anyway. I believe that is correct. I think that he, it even says, yes, it says, oh, I thought it was labeled. It's, yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, it, you're right, it is. It's not labeled, but it is the endorphin machine bed from Caligula. The endorphin bed, it oh. says down here in the Oh, corner. it does. I, my finger was on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't read through your finger? <laughs> So I guess what I'm hearing is the next time we have an argument, I should not come back to you and say, you know, I realize that I hurt your feelings, but a thousand times I feel whatever I put you through. So thanks for forgiving me. I'll see you tomorrow. Please don't. This is a great marital advice episode yep. of The Mountains what not and the to Sea. Do. <laughs> yes. Let's learn from our friends' mistakes here. <laughs> That's right. Um, as this song ends, which we get yet another extended outro uh, on this song also, at 4 minutes and 18 seconds and 4 minutes and 22 seconds, there are more of these spacey, what you described as wet sound effects. Uh-huh, yeah, computery, wet computer sounds. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, don't get your computer wet. The two don't go well together. No. No. 
Uh, you skipped over one of the best parts of the song, though. Oh. Which is a call and response with the guitar. Oh, you're right. I did. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Very, very fun. I mean, for all of the flaws in lyrics, man, that's cool. You are darn right, and I'm embarrassed that I didn't. I would think I just, the longer I listened to this, the least likely I was to pick up on things I would like because I was so frustrated by yeah. the level of crappiness of apology <laughs> that this song turned into. I'm so glad you can see that. I'm lucky. Yeah, the it's weirdly padded at the end. There's like these industrial sort of sounding music. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's totally just to get it to 60 minutes. And yeah, the mystery was I mean, it was kind of stripped from the 60 minute thing when it was clearly engineered to be that way. It did not come off like, oh, this is how it ended. It came off as I worked real hard to get it there. Yeah. Including recording of sounds that Well, have... but see, that's the thing. It didn't sound like he worked real hard to get it there. It sounded like he padded things to get it there. If he'd worked real hard to get it there, we wouldn't notice these things. Uh, well, it, to me, that's what... It sounds forced. It, that's right. It, it does. Was it, too, sounds... It, was, it sounds too much like work, not like an album. Right. Is what I mean by Yes. Work. I, I agree. It sounds forced, but yes, if he wanted to go with this mystique of the music begged to be mm-hmm. exactly 60 minutes, I wish it had been cleaner. I agree. Or do it to one song. Why does it have to be? It almost seems like, oh, I've got to spread Bread this no. stretchiness out Give across me, the four or five yeah. tracks out of 12 that include this clearly extended and somewhat unnecessary instrumentation at the end. Yeah. Give me one song with a really cohesive, well-worked padded ending that fits and makes sense. Yeah. Meh. You know, it is what it is. Or just don't make a big deal about it. I mean, what that was the other part of it was that it was this big deal that each of the discs was exactly 60 minutes and it was three hours of love, sex, and liberty. He could have just like left that as a little Easter egg. Like, hey, did you notice that uh-huh. each of these is 60 minutes? Had it not been such a marketing tool or like a reason to listen to the record, really, I would have been more excited if he had said 79 minutes and 48 seconds is the absolute most music I could pack on a disc, and that's I, what I recorded. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more like I purposely left 19 minutes and 12 seconds free <laughs> on this as a symbol of what the ancient Egyptians thought the okay, what is it? The, the I don't know, the, the source the, of life or the, the no, how civilization like began, yes. right? Society, yes, okay, yes, all right, so. We've reached the end of the music that we're going to cover. Two episodes have brought us to the end of the first disc, and we broke tradition last episode and made no selections. This time we have selections spanning two episodes. Correct, because I didn't think it was fair that we break this into six songs each and pick a high, a low, and a time capsule. Right. 
across 30 minutes of music or right. whatever it is. It's close to 30 minutes. Right. So we're going to make selections for both episodes, the entire disc this time. So we let find- the judgments be known. That's right. We choose the time capsules, something that exemplifies the teary the time period at which the material was recorded or when it was released, the sea, the low point, and the mountain, the high point. I go first because these are my rules. So the time capsule, for me, jam of the year. While it doesn't mention the year, I really associate it with this era and the fact that he put in the liner notes that it, you know, summer 97, it very much speaks to the time for me. My time capsule is also Jam of the Year, being a smooth opener and a real commitment from him to playing it live for a year or more as Mm -hmm. the concert opener. In fact, part of the tour was named Jam of the Year Tour. Right. Um, And also knowing that it's like the last time we hear Rosie Gaines on a studio track on a Prince album. Right. It's kind of this beacon of Mm -hmm. time capsuleness that I hear with Jam of the Year. Right. The C for me is from our last episode with the words of another seem to work out just fine and betcha by golly wow i just spoiled that whole song for me i'm really surprised that it tanked it so badly for you that just this like i didn't really put much effort into it because someone else had already said it perfectly and that's fine but the more you described it, the more I could understand. It just came out of left field for me. <laughs> or right field. Whatever. Yeah, whichever way you're not expecting it to come from. Yeah. Whichever, yeah. yes. Whichever field you're looking in the opposite direction. A cornfield. It came out of the bean field for me. <laughs> came into the fields um, of dreams. I yes. was not quite as bothered by that. In fact, sure. I, my notes... We diverged on that. I was like, oh, at least he kind of acknowledged that these weren't his words, but it expressed, you know, even though he's an accomplished songwriter, he couldn't have said it any better, but it did come off wrong. Yeah. For me, I initially had my C before I started listening to the music as White Mansion because Uh of the sing-songiness of it all, but the more I listened to it, the more more I saw the error of my ways. Then I thought... It's got to be Mr. Happy. Good God. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. But then when I found all these similarities between the Big City remix, I want to go in and make like a fan-made mashup of oh. Big City remix and Mr. Happy and maybe uh-huh. throw in a little Billy Jack bitch and love for one another and make this big, long track. I think it could work really well. Uh-huh. So I scratched that plan. Oh, jeez. Okay. And then I just... The guy cannot apologize. So in this bed, I scream. <laughs> That's the C. He needed a crash course. Like, why wasn't there a master class on making apologies in 1996? Um, and we might have gotten more Prince and Wendy and Lisa working together mm-hmm. and Susanna. Yeah. But didn't. And then to send the song to them and ask for feedback and, and then ignore not it. use any of it. Like, what do you expect? This is like, nothing has changed. You might no. have changed your name. That's all that's changed. <laughs> Then the mountain, that's hard for me to choose because I, I have a lot of fond feelings about much of the songs yeah. on uh, this whole album and this disc especially. I really kind of loved Damned If I Do just because it's really fun and he kind of lauds himself to be this maverick. He's trying to be a better person. It's a little funny. He even, you know, he's... 
he suggests that maybe they should break up. And then also at the end of the song, he says, well, maybe we should just get married instead. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should say goodbye. Maybe we should say I do. It's just. He told you, you're going to go left. Uh-huh. That's right. And I'm like, well, that's actually like kind of sweet in this song. That's a little funny and a little silly. And I can see his frustration, but he's also not perfect. It's also this like, maybe we should break up or maybe we should just commit to this for life. And that is kind of also sort of sweet and romantic and fun. It is the Prince version of Opposites Attract, right? Uh-huh. Like they are, she pisses him off. But, uh-huh. but despite it's that, interesting. that's right. Yes, it's not boring. Yeah. I didn't get that deep with my mountain. Um, mountains go high anyway. They aren't that deep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I made it uh, simply a matter of what, what song do I enjoy the most? And I'm a huge fan of Get Your Groove On. Uh-huh. I think it's Prince's best, like, earth, wind, and fire moment almost. And it's mostly him. Um, and I think. We need more songs like Get Your Groove On as we expand more into the other two discs here that that was kind of a a feeling that I felt like could have been expanded on sure. for the rest of the album. And I don't think we have really ever get there. We get serious moments and then moments that are supposed to be fun that turn out to be sad because of what happens with their child. Um, but Get Your Groove On is just silly fun. Yeah. And that kind of... It's like Prince's September to me, and I'm sad that it never took off or wasn't that big of a hit, and I really love that there's some Madhouse mixed into it live, too. So it got my groove on. Yes, that was actually... I wavered back and forth this morning. Mm. Was I going to go stay with Damned If I Do or if I was going to move to Get Your Groove On? And Mm. I ultimately stuck with it. But, yeah. All right, so uh, next time... We are going to do our one second challenge. I'm not exactly sure uh, when that is going to come out. So we have some extenuating circumstances that may keep us from recording. They may not. But I would say plan on at least three weeks before our next episode. Uh, Hopefully that's as long as it will be. But that also gives you, dear listener, uh, another week to send in your one second challenge requests for songs. I have a few spots left. Mm. So send them in before the end of 2022. You make a note to open fake Gmail account. (laughs) Send Christy songs that I know. Got it. (laughs) Yes. So you have until... Midnight, December 31st, 2022, Ooh. to send us your requests. And, uh, you know, if I how, get- many, how many songs will there be one second clips of for me to try to identify? Uh, 20 is 20. my plan, okay. plus a, a little special. 20 plus a special. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So you have until then to do it. Um, thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice. We don't just come on the radio. So you- we should. But- <laughs> that you're making a choice to listen to us. It's very special and we really, really appreciate it. We wish you a very, very happy new year. Until next time, happy purple listening, friends. Thanks for sticking with us. Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea where we find the hot... Where we stumble over every intro, every time. (laughs) 
That's right. We've had a lot of R&V R&V vibe. That's what I almost said. Yeah, I wish you had kept going. It went great. (laughs) 